Do Do Podcast with Matt and Al. Hey Al. Hey Matt, what's up? Not much, mate. Uh, so, uh, have you ever uh, dabbed and or used rosin in any in any sort of form? Uh, quite honestly, I have no fucking clue as to what you're talking about. Really? Honestly. No, I, I, honestly, I haven't done it myself. Being a longtime pot smoker, but recently unable to smoke. This whole new growing culture, this this dabbers, as the kids are calling it, this this whole thing is new to me. And I was just I was YouTubing it the other day. Mm-hmm. These guys making their own presses, uh, this whole community. This, this, yeah, community, exactly, thing around it that I was unaware of, but looks cool. Wish I still smoked. But I still so, do. Yeah. Well, you should try it, man. They take I, this. I, this... About, like, I, I was really curious. And, and I, what was fun about the, the trade show, the, ex, the Lifting Coke Cannabis Expo, is I had a chance to meet a lot of interesting people and collect some really cool stories. So here we are. Yeah, uh, these rosin presses, which is essentially uh, compressing the flower herb using heat and pressure to sort of extract the pure goodness. Our guest today, though, is all about rosin presses and rosin itself and a budding culture. He is the director of marketing at Pure Pressure. Eric Vlosky, how are you, sir? I am doing real well. How are you I'm great, we're man. Doing awesome. Uh, so and we're really curious. Yeah, man. You met Al here at Lift and Co. I believe. Yeah, it was, was the, it like two weeks ago? Yeah, Cannabis Expo a few weeks back. And yep, uh, that's right. I've looked at I've looked at all your at your stuff. It looks very interesting. I'm I just want to start off with Carrie. In your bio, it started with your passion for cannabis. Where did that start? You know, this is a story that I tell more frequently than I'd like to admit, but you know, it definitely started in high school, uh, perhaps to my, it's legal here. You can admit anything. <laughs> yeah. It's legal there know, too in the state, right? <laughs> it but. is, it is legal in Colorado and in a patchwork. And I, I've just always been fond of consuming cannabis, some of the science behind it, uh, you know, some of the culture that comes along with it. It's just a great industry to be a part of. And in the, Earl in like 2014 medical was transitioning to recreational here in Colorado. And I just realized, you know, it's time to get on the bandwagon and, and get into this thing. So I've been in the cannabis industry since about 2014, the end of, uh, and it's really just been expanding ever since. And I'm sure as you guys can tell up in Canada, I mean, it, things are going gangbusters now. Yeah. You know what? It, to be honest with you, this whole podcast thing we started, is not a cannabis show. We just, when we started it, it, the cannabis people are coming out of the woodwork. Oh yeah. It's It's it's, been incredible. Since October, since we legalized it, it's blown up here. And it's, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, it's mental. The wild west. It's like like when cryptocurrency went crazy. I'm curious. When, when did it become legal in Colorado? Yeah. So that was circa 2014. It had been medical, for quite a bit longer than that. And actually, I was a medical patient in college uh, for a couple years. And I was uh, at CU Boulder from 2008 to 2012. And, you know, the people that were lucky enough to have a medical license had access to really incredible material. Uh, But, you know, Colorado was the first market really in the world 
to go from medical and transition to recreational adult use. And it's really set the tone and the pace for pretty much all other markets since then, since it's been such a laboratory of sorts. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, Eric Vosky, what is it you do now? Yeah, so I am the director of marketing for a little company called Pure Pressure. We make solventless extraction equipment. And what that means is we're an equipment provider that creates machines and processes and accessories that makes cannabis oil. I think a lot of people are more familiar with cannabis oil as just a general product. Uh, And what we do is make the devices that create the cannabis oil, but without any solvents. So what's commonly used is butane or ethanol, Mm -hmm. uh, CO2. I've used acetone myself. Yeah. (laughs) Acetone. Yeah. So which is basically an engine cleaner. No, right. I actually, I've researched how this, like, I didn't quite understand at first, to be honest with you, Roz, it's solvent-free. I'm like, what's the solvent? I don't understand because I've never done this process. Mm-hmm. After watching these things and clearly use heat and compression to to basically pump the oil out, am I am I correct? Yeah, I mean, that that's exactly it. So if you zoom in on a bud or the cannabis plant that's mature, you're going to see all these tiny tiny little pin drop shaped things called trichomes and those are what are essentially the fruit of the cannabis plant and when you express the oil out of those trichomes that's when you get the you know resin that can be used for a variety of things you know dabs as you guys talked about earlier it can be turned into edibles and tinctures and salves and all, all manner of products. Yeah. So you can use that for edibles. That this I did not know. So oh, abs- absolutely. Yeah. So okay, here's my situation, mate. I I I cannot smoke anymore. I was a hardcore smoker for a really too long, and because of medical reasons, I'm unable to smoke anymore. But I was unaware that the rosins can be used for edibles. How does that work, sir? Because my wife is a chef, and I'm quite curious. Yeah. So any kind of cannabis oil and specifically rosin, which is the most accessible for someone in your situation, especially someone at home, once you press your buds, you know, think about squeezing fresh juice, except it's out of the cannabis plant and not out of an orange. All you have to do is decarb that oil, meaning when you decarboxylate it, it activates the THC and the other cannabinoids in it so that when you ingest it, you actually get an effect. If you were to simply eat rosin without it being decarboxylated, you're going to have a sticky mouth and no experience. So when you decarb a product in an oil, it allows you to ingest it. And that's usually done at about 200 degrees Fahrenheit. And you'll have to excuse me because we use the imperial system down here. So my Celsius <laughs> calculations were a little slow. So you might have to. It's all good. We'll, it's all good. we'll translate later. We'll, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So about 20 minutes later, you've got oil that's ready to be put into any edible product. And what most people do is since these oils are typically fat soluble as you could put it in olive oil or butter or oh, coconut oil. Yeah. And then, it, and then it can be used for virtually anything. Yeah. And that's the same really process. with olive oil. My wife's Italian too. Yeah. Like this is, this is brilliant. I, it's the same process that, that, that your wife would use to make cookies or any other baked goods yeah. when she makes the, her hemp butter. 
So it's the That's same correct. process. It's the same process. And only you're using, if I understand correctly, you're using only heat and pressure. You're not using Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. There's no chemicals. I watched this thing. So I watched a couple of things on YouTube because I had to get my head around this whole thing. And uh, by far, I can tell your products are like top of the line. <laughs> so I watched this one kid. He made one out of like a hair straightener and a clamp, right? Same process. But I'm like, okay, I can see how this is like, you know, your DIY homeowner stuff. And then the next guy had a better machine that he made. And then I went online and looked at these dudes, these pure, pure the guys we're talking to right Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, okay. This is what you like when you're sophistication, sophistication. Exactly. I'm like, oh, this is what you get. Now, my, my question really is from that is like, who are your customers? Like who's yeah, got like, that are much we talking elitist cannabis users or like what, what, what kind of client base are purchasing? You, you would be very surprised. You know, the, I would say most of our customers are in the realm of serious grow or serious, excuse me, grower in growing enthusiasts as well as licensed laboratories and, you know, B2B applications. So we work with laboratories across the world that purchase our equipment, but also a lot of home users that are looking for a piece of equipment that is really going to deliver results over the long term. And the truth of the matter is you can make great rosin with a hair straightener. I mean, there's no two ways about it. And we're really focused on education because simply applying heat and pressure to a bud or your keef or an ice water hash, that's going to create rosin simply put. But our equipment is very much geared towards the serious user and someone that's looking to have a lot more control and precision over their process. And there's a lot of people out there that make rosin for themselves for recreational uh, and, and medical purposes. And they really demand a piece of equipment that can deliver great results consistently. And that's kind of where you make some sacrifices uh, mm -hmm. having less quality equipment. So there's a lot of options out there. It's a fairly low barrier to entry market, but we have really taken the technology to a point of, a science and that's what we're focused on well it looks to me like you got a little computer on the top of it it tells you exactly like the oh, time the, the temperature i saw like, it at the trade show it's an incredible piece of equipment you you almost can't fuck it up yeah no and 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 i think what we we had the opportunity to share with eric is also an understanding of like eric pointed out is you know they're a very niche market so you know you may have your serious home users but it's more business operations, labs, the places that need the precision and and well, that, 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 that level of technology. Here's the, uh, your team there, uh, Eric. You guys you guys seem like a, a young bunch of kids. Looks like, looks like your team was <laughs> handpicked, actually. Like I'm looking at you guys Everybody right now. Everybody seems to be perfect for their except role. Except for Scott Christensen, operation manager, who <laughs> seems like the dad. Y'all look like you're just, you know... You're all his kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Which, you know, our, but our I'll team, be honest with you. After reading all of your bios, a bunch of kids who know their shit. Yeah. Like you guys, <laughs> like I was saying, you guys seem like you're a handpicked team of specialists that really know the depth of, of your expert uh, knowledge is area. This, yeah. Is this just fate that you all came together like this? Like this Ben Britton, co-founder, lead engineer, clearly he came up with this process. And the other co-founder, Josh Rutherford, industry specialist 
Definitely a dude that tell, looks like tell, I would buy my me, weed off of. Tell me Ben doesn't look like Mark, yeah. the, the Zuckerberg <laughs> of Rosins. These guys obviously put up a brilliant idea. Yeah. They bring in, clearly, Scott Christensen, as like I did with Al, to run the business operation, and they bring in somebody smart like you to get the word out there. Am I wrong? Uh, well, you're you're most of the way there. You know, actually, I'll give credit where it's due, and... Rosin has been made in the modern sense, and there's some debate about this, about just about everything, since, you know, 2014, 2015 by a guy named Soil Grown on Instagram. And he literally hijacked his girlfriend's hair straightener and thought, hey, what if I put a bud between this and get this started? So Josh, who has been a professional grow and extraction consultant for quite some time, really saw an opportunity with Solventless as being extremely safe and accessible and went to Ben, who is a, one of his brother's best friends and said, Hey man, I'm not an engineer, but this is going to go somewhere. And all of the solutions right now are quite poor. Uh, you know, people were using t-shirt presses and hair yeah. straighteners and just any kind of heated pressure application. Uh, but it really wasn't purpose designed equipment at the time. And most of these businesses had quite a bad reputation importing products from overseas, et cetera. So that's really how the company got started. Uh, you know, the age range of our team is anywhere from mid 20s to Scott Christensen on the upper end. But you, you would be surprised, you know, the background. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, we, we have a pretty diverse background. I come from tech startups and. You know, Ben was working in automation and manufacturing and, you know, you'd be surprised how many people are actually interested in getting into the cannabis industry and working in it. But we've certainly assembled a solid team and, you know, we're lean and mean and you know, uh, a it, lot of talent. It, it seems like it, it's what's happening up here in Canada because like I've never, I'm not a cannabis, like I've smoked cannabis, but I'm not a, I was never interested in getting into the industry. And the more people I do interviews with, I realized I always thought it'd be just a bunch of stoners doing it. But it turns out, uh, oh, the caliber! It's the it's business people, smart yeah. business people getting in on the ground floor and doing it right. It's just really not what I expected. I didn't think they'd be interested. I didn't. I didn't see the opportunity. But clearly, these kids out in Colorado and it, it really all around the it's whole actually thing going it, all around the U.S. now. Like, the, there's a big. I guess you can say groundswell of popularity at the state level. How 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 many states are we up to now that are legalized in the U.S.? Oh, man, I don't know off the top of my head. I know that it's like fourteen or fifteen, than, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, for recreational, it's getting there. I know that more than half of the states have medical laws on the books. Nice. And I mean, every year we're picking up a couple more recreational states for a variety of reasons. And you know, to add just a comment to who is actually participating in the industry. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, Al, when you were at Lyft, you probably saw, generally speaking, two kinds of people. Mm-hmm. You know, there are what you would call the suits, which are the professional business people that yeah. put on a suit and a tie and, yeah. you know, come from a non-cannabis background. And then there's the culture people who have been involved in cannabis for a very long time and live it, breathe it, you know, inhale it, however you want to call it. And I think we're our team really cuts a good middle ground is that we're somewhere in the middle. You know, we all have strong professional backgrounds in other industries, but we've all been enthusiasts and have enjoyed cannabis on a personal level for a very long time. And and that's a little bit of a hard line 
for a lot of businesses to mingle because, you know, Canada, for example, owes a huge debt of gratitude to the civil disobedience that had been happening for, frankly, decades with the gray market and the black market, because if that hadn't been going on for as long as it had, you know, all the suits, if you will, wouldn't be getting their LPs in Canada right now. So it, it's come a long way up there, especially. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm actually curious about your legalization. It's, how long have you lived in Colorado, like your whole life? Or? Yep. I yeah. was born here in 1989. And so do you remember when legalization was coming up, like right before, like, oh, we're legalizing it? Yeah, it seemed surreal. I mean— Yeah, did you have dispensaries we, kind of on the gray market happening right before that? So we, so that was one of the things that Colorado—and, you know, frankly, after being going to Canada uh, plenty of times, the police and— uh, Los Federales here just are a lot different than in Canada. They're a lot more hardcore. Right. So in Canada, it's a lot more slap on the wrist is what we've seen. Yeah. But in Colorado, the gray market, of course, had existed and flourished. But the dis- at the dispensary and the retail level, there was a lot less uh, legal abuse, I would say. Yeah, see, we're, we're, we, uh, the, as much as everyone's like, oh, Canada's legal now, we're, we're in a massive learning curve right now it's it's not all fun and games yet the one thing i'd like to ask you though is i saw this article or a thing on tv years ago from vice and it was about the money you, you the cannabis industry was making in these certain states because it was not legalized federally you're not allowed to put your money in the banks <laughs> and they'd have these security guards taking all these things of cash around and this big thing is is that still an issue there or have we we gotten past this it is absolutely still an issue really and the reason for that is that in the united states there are things called rico laws which are basically anti-money laundering laws and you know beyond that i'm not a lawyer i'm not gonna give people yeah no i'm just going off i've worked in aml so so you guys have to hire security guys to look after your coin yeah, there, there are certain banks and institutions that will work with cannabis businesses here and there, but they're constantly under the threat of federal uh, RICO laws and, and other things. So it is, for the most part, a cash business, which presents numerous problems, not only for security and transportation purposes, but also for you know credit and money lending, too. I mean, the, the core of free market businesses is being able to have access to capital and many of these businesses without being able to have proper accreditation and bank accounts really struggle to be able to do that. So, you know, that is slowly coming around. These businesses are dying to pay their taxes properly. Exactly. Yeah. Have you thought about investing your money in Canada? Yeah, I mean, I own some stocks right now, uh, and that's about the best that we can do right now. I mean, there's a lot of LPs. We'll take it, man. We could use it. Yeah. Well, it's funny that topic comes up because you're starting to see a lot of U.S. companies listing on Canadian stock exchanges. They have to. They have no choice. (laughs) What's happening right now is that the states that aren't getting on board are simply being left in the dust, and it's only a matter of time before the right Congress and the right president comes on and says, all right, fuck it. We're going to do this. We're going to do it right. And then there's going to be an enormous amount of turmoil because you're going to take all of these varying state laws 
and then package them up into federal legislation because products can't cross state lines. Businesses are licensed across multiple states. It's it's very complicated and there's a lot of moving parts, but it, it will definitely happen. And then the pendulum is going to shift the other way and you're going to see America, you know, probably becoming this massive cannabis powerhouse that no oh, one was expecting. Oh, for sure. That's the, that's the if big you guys, fear. If I, in my opinion, if you guys just started lobbying the banks, they'd all they'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 we can make a lot of money off this. Yeah, cause right it's now, happening. You know what I mean? People are starting to make their money, especially on the East Coast. I mean, that that's where it's been the slowest to adopt that I've been surprised is that you've got very liberal, really? progressive states like New York, New Jersey. Uh, Pennsylvania. I mean, Illinois is now going recreational next year, but the right people aren't making their money yet. And once those people are making their money, then it's going to be game on. But I agree that, you know, the South is going to be the slowest to adopt. They're always the laggards in all (laughs) manner of ways. I mean, literally with everything (laughs) um, political or otherwise. So how does your system work? Our system works by having a digital controlled interface that enables you to set time, temperature, pressure, or force uh, in all manner of ways to produce different outcomes. So oil is oil is oil, but with rosin, you can create many different textures very easily. Some people prefer shatter, for example, and they like to dab that. Or oh, really? you, you, can con- you can control those different, like I thought it just came out as a rosin. I didn't realize you could, you make shatter. Yeah, there's a lot of process manipulations that equipment of our variety can enable you to do uh, so that instead of just having one product, you know, rosin, when you're making it on our presses, is not pigeonholed into one texture. You can make it in a variety of textures based on consumer preference, based on your application. So if you're making a product, for example, that you're going to hand to your wife to decarb and cook it up in some olive oil, you probably want something that's a little more workable than a, a very uh, oily substance, for example. So depending on the product you use and the temperatures and the way that you press it, you can have a different outcome depending on what you want to do. So that that's what our system really focuses on is that control and then scalability, being able to produce an enormous amount of rosin and solventless products in a day, in a week, in a month, yeah. in a year. That's, uh, I can't wow. imagine. That's the value add right yeah, there. No, no, yeah, I didn't realize that. Like you could, wow. We were, we were trying to figure out what differentiated your product from pretty much the rest of the marketplace. And it sounds like you perfectly explained it as you, you can basically produce or the output of your rosin can be in different forms. So that allows for that variety. So let's say, for example, I'm a serious home user and, you know, I've got here in Canada, you can do four plants recreationally. So let's say I get, you know, half a pound out of my four plants. I can turn around, throw an ounce and make shatter, make and turn another ounce into something else. And really. No, that's very interesting that you can actually control the different textures. Yeah. I, I didn't realize. I thought it was just like you get the rosin, and here you go. Throw it in your bong. Sort yeah. Of. No, it's yeah. no, that's phenomenal to understand that because that's what we really were trying to understand is what made you guys different. Yeah, as a disclaimer, you know, the textures depend a bit on the material because certain kinds of materials and certain plants if they have really high terpene content, you know, very strong aroma, very high resin. I'll I'll say this, you know, results vary, but where we have really built a name and a reputation for ourselves is both with the control, which 
enables you to create those textures in the first place. If you don't have control, it you're just shooting in the dark. It's just random what you can come up with. And, you know, we're, we're really focused on customer service too. And when you spend the kind of money to get a piece of equipment that we sell, we really take care of people and educate them and make sure that they're being successful with our equipment. And anytime that you spend a lot of money on anything, whether you're buying a really nice mountain bike or you've bought a really nice car, there, there's a commensurate level of support and help that you expect to receive. And that's what we strive to deliver with our equipment. You know, you really get what you pay for. Well, Eric, it sounds like you guys have a awesome deal here. Uh, I, I, I implore everyone to look up purepressure.com. Is there anything else you want to say to the people before we uh, close it up? Yeah. You know, to roll it back to what you said, you know, there's a big learning curve going on in Canada. If there's anything that anyone should know about cannabis oil and solventless oil and pure pressure, it's that you need to think craft beer and what solventless products are to the cannabis industry is what craft beer is to the beer industry and that high quality and the focus is on quality because what you put in is what you get out. And when you put poor quality products through certain solvent-based extraction systems, you can get in a, you can get a product that doesn't really showcase what went into it. It homogenizes it in in many different ways. So solventless is a product that's always focused on quality. And as time goes on, connoisseurs are already all over this, but as the market develops, you're going to see more and more people going for solventless products. I mean, think organic food. It's the same kind of model when people are looking for quality uh, in the cannabis market. So it's it's just like we talked about. It's more than just dabs. It's edibles. It's tinctures. It's topicals. I mean, you can use this for anything and you can do it at home without blowing up your house. And it's really the only safe way <laughs> to make concentrates at home. Way to bring it home on that one. Without blowing up your house, I think you just sold to everyone there, Eric Vlasky, <laughs> Director of Marketing of Pure Pressure. Thank you so much. Just hold on the line there while I say goodbye to everybody. Sure. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Eric Vlasky here on the What Do You Do podcast, Director of Marketing. I, I implore you to check out Pure Pressure and their products. If you're into rosin, this is what it's all about. Goodbye. The views and opinions expressed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Jam Production Company, its affiliates, and or its partners.